you are listening to the uh, Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast coming at you twice a week. Sam Lubman and Joe Shasky want to make sure you're liking this podcast, subscribing to it, sharing it, reviewing it, anything to get it out there. Because if you like Giants content, chances are everyone around you is going to like Giants content as well. Shasky, one thing I, I was came across some kind of sound bites uh, over the last week in turn that I think really kind of speak to how the Giants operate as a baseball team philosophically. Now, the okay. first thing I want to get into is uh, last week on the podcast, we were talking about Alex Wood and his pitch count. Yeah. And just kind of how they come about, you know, determining their pitch counts and what the players think of it. So last Friday night, I asked the question that we discussed in this podcast. How do you uh, come up with pitch counts. I asked Gabe Kapler that, and this was his answer. Great question, and and usually it goes back to the last outing or the last several outings. So you'll progress a guy in spring training, maybe he throws a live BP with two ups, and then his first spring training outing, he might throw two innings with like a 35 pitch max. The next time out, he might throw two innings, but you bump his pitch count to like 40, 45 pitches. Then maybe he goes to three and 55 or three and 60 depending on like the club's appetite for how many pitches he can throw there it's usually based on adding a few pitches from the last outing but not dramatically exceeding that pitch count so that one thing that we know about injuries in baseball is the best way to prevent them is with a long slow ramp so little bits over the course of time rather than all at once so that's basically how we determine uh, pitcher's pitch count is what did he throw the last time out so they have a very methodical process here. Very kind of, they, they really draw it out. They like to, the, the slow ramp up here. Shasky, when you hear kind of Kapler talking about, you know, how they, how they, I guess, how does that answer your question? You asked this question last week. I presented it to Kapler. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on his answer there. It's an interesting point. Um, I do think it misses some details. Like, we didn't talk about like what are they doing in between bullpen sessions? Yeah. You know? My you know, thing, my thought is that they, you have kind of like set throws in between each inning and 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 right? bullpen sessions too. So I hope I, I illuminated your eyes to this, didn't I? Yeah. It's something I, I'm gonna have to start paying attention to now. And it was, look, it was a look, question I, that Gabe Kapler enjoyed too. I got a good question uh to start well, like, off. I would I would want to ask him, like, what does an off day throwing look like for a starting pitcher? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm sure it's uh varies player to player team to team like i, yeah. I position like as in starter to reliever like but what does an off seat uh, an off day throw session look like is there one at all um are they doing you know cable pulls are they doing you know uh band workouts things like that does that factor in to some of the muscle strain stuff like i, I don't know i just i want to more i want to know more information but I find them, again, at times, I think they're a little too analytical. But at other times, if they're onto something smart, I'm willing to open my eyes to, to hearing it out, right? Yeah. And I think their thought process behind pitch counting is important because I look at someone like Carlos Rodon, and clearly they managed him brilliantly. Mm -hmm. And the second the Yankees got a hold of him, he got hurt. He's falling apart, yeah. Interesting, isn't that? Yeah, and the Giants have been very careful with their pitchers. They got a very good reputation of of taking good care of their pitchers. They also have a very good reputation of communicating with their players. And so Alex Wood took them out the next day, that Saturday. It was a, the one nothing loss to the Marlins. And again, he went four and two-thirds innings before coming out. Uh, again, I think he had 74 pitches that day. And this is what Alex had to say about his uh, his pitch count and how long he was able to pitch uh, after the yeah, game. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, just... 
it's hard because you feel like you don't get to pitch anymore. You know, it's like throw throw five perfect or get get yanked in the fifth. You know, it's it's it's, it's frustrating. You know, seventy four pitches, my second start back. I feel like I've thrown the ball pretty pretty well. You know, it's just um, yeah. I mean, it's it's very frustrating for sure. So I think this kind of goes into that human element that you were kind of talking about last week, Shasky. Where again, the logic that the, the, that that Kapler uses in determining the pitch counts makes sense. But then with Alex Wood, though, it it feels like something is a little bit maybe off there in terms of the communication. I don't know. Like Wood clearly does not sound like he's thrilled with the lack of usage. Is it a case where you know maybe the Giants should just be letting Alex Wood throw a little bit more, go for those five innings, try and see if he can get that pitch count closer to 100? Should Alex Wood get a little bit more run here? Or is he just kind of maybe not seeing the forest through the trees a little bit? Um. I can see both ends of the spectrum. He's also an older player, so he probably comes from a, a generation that tilts more the old school, which would I'd say more art and science. Does that make sense? Yeah, more, more uh, art and I science than, than math and physics. Exactly. You also have to account for this, and, and it's something I, I'm re-remembering now that I'm dealing with certain pitching coaches in my Little League days. Pitchers are weird. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're an odd bunch. Like some are very weird. Some are very dumb. Some are super geniuses. But pitchers tend to be the weirdest guys on the team. So I'm not surprised that they have a variety of reactions to a variety of outcomes when it comes to pitch counts. Yeah. Now you mentioned kind of more art and sciences first, math, math and physics. I'm going to throw some math and physics uh, at you here. And that is just kind of what the hard data, what on what Alex Wood, uh, what the hard data about Alex Wood says. And the hard data is that, you know, when he hits that 50 pitch thres- threshold, mm-hmm. hitters over his career hit a little bit better against him. You know, he's sitting, he, he holds hit, uh, hitters to about a uh, 230. Uh, batting average when he's first going through the lineup. But then when he kind of gets in that 50 pitch threshold, jumps up to 256. When he gets to pitch 76 and up, mm-hmm. hitters are hitting 261 against him. The more he throws, it quickly starts to escalate up. That's going to be a lot of pitchers, though. But, you know, the, the strikeouts start to drop a little bit. The walks start to go up a little bit. You know, the first time through the order, again, guys can 230. Third time through the order, jumps up to 267. Uh He's got a career ERA of 462 in the sixth inning. That's over 117 innings pitched. Uh, he's got a career 411 ERA in the seventh inning. That's in only 77 innings. And he's got a sub four ERA in each of innings one through five. Basically, the data suggests that when you're, he said he had 74 pitches in his last at bat. His history suggests that after that, it wasn't going to really get much better. No. So it's kind of like the Giants want to keep guys in a situation where they can perform best. They want to put guys in situations to that, succeed. Agreed. And I think it's almost like you have to protect Alex Wood from himself. Yes. In a sense where it's like, we love the energy, but we believe, and this is, I'm sure Alex Wood would love hearing this. We believe you're better off. We believe you're better off, you know, coming out at 75 ish pitches because we know that you've done your best work by then. Agreed. And there's always going to be the meathead like me, but it's one more batter. Exactly. He's a pitcher. He's a competitor. He wants to prove that he can be better because, you know, that 462 ERA in the sixth inning, it's the reason it's not 490 is because he got a couple other guys out. So he absolutely believes it. Next thing I want to get into, this is something that uh, he was at, that Gabe Kappel was asked about uh, on that Saturday in terms of just 
situational hitting. Yeah. And I want to play this here and just kind of get your thoughts. Was, I thought it was a very interesting answer on just how he views situational hitting and uh, kind of how he, you know, would, would, would talk about that with the rest of the guys on the team. You're the hitter in the batter's box in the turtle, and there's a coach behind you, and that coach is saying stuff like, okay, run around second base, nobody out, and expecting you to take a swing. In that coach's mind, and probably in the organization's mind, it's like your job is to move the runner from second base to third base. The message that it sends is you should change something. You should do something different to make that happen. Same thing, runner on third base, less than two outs, you're trying to get him in. The message is hit a fly ball, try to score the runner. My thought is there's an approach that makes you your most athletic. That approach is looking for a pitch to drive and trying to drive it through the middle, kind of a low line drive trajectory. And if I said that to any player, hey, try to hit a ball, a line drive to the middle of the field, pick a good pitch to hit, and really try to hit it. That always works. Any situation, nobody on, nobody out. Runner on second base, less than two outs. Runner on third base, nobody out. Big situation, bottom of the ninth, second and third. It's always the best way to get the job done, in my opinion. I think in baseball, we overcomplicate those things, and what ends up happening is a player becomes less athletic because they're changing the mechanics of their swing to do something, and I don't think it makes you better at doing that thing, and I think it could make you worse at doing that thing. So keeping a very simple approach in those situations, I think, is the best path to success. I hear him, but this is all about practicing. Guys don't practice hitting high choppers anymore. Guys yeah. don't practice two strike approaches in the batting cages like they used to. Like they just don't. They don't. You know, like they don't. If you are going up there with the same approach in a three two pitch as you are two zero, like that's on you. That's on you. And I know you want to keep it simplistic and keep it the same. Does Steph Curry shoot the same way when he's falling down, fading away, and he practices no. those? He absolutely does. Does Kevin Durant shoot his one-footer the same way he shoots a two-foot set shot from the free throw line? No. He is not, no. No. So same thing with Patrick Mahomes when he's rolling out of the pocket, like throwing across his body. I, there's a time and a place and to me, you have to practice those things. Steph Curry doesn't just hit circus shots in games. He practices off-balance types of shots as well as set-balance shots. You have to practice two-strike situations, runner-on-third situations. Tony Gwynn talks about this all the time. So I hear Kapler there. Those would be my pushbacks. Yeah, he did say this was his. I, I didn't include this in the cup, but he did kind of reiterate after follow. He followed up afterwards and said this was his own personal philosophy in yes. terms of how he would handle it uh, while also working with hitters. I do think because yeah, situational hitting with the Giants, it there are times with this team where it is frustrating. Yesterday, uh, again in this in the game against the Twins, they had the bases loaded with nobody out. And my heart sank because it seems like every time they have the bases loaded, it just the rally dies. And I asked Kapler about this last year, and he kind of just kind of chalked it up. Just, there's there's kind of some random variance there sometimes where it happens. There's a point last year, Shaz, he went 35 plate appearances last year where the Giants did not get a hit with the bases loaded. Damn. It's just bases it's loaded. Even it's so frustrating with this team sometimes. And yeah, I do think there is a level of like you you got to approach those like don't go after the big swing anymore. Don't go after the home run. I think you're seeing guys doing that a little bit where they're, they're focusing on trying to put the ball in play. But again, yesterday, bases loaded, nobody out. They didn't get the ball out of the infield. Is a left-handed layup the same for a right-handed player? 
as as no. a right hand layup. No, it's literally using a different arm. Why? Because the situation dictates it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, again, I'm using cross sport analogies. When you're throwing the ball from the from the deep hole in third, right? You're gonna use different kinds of mechanics than a basic chopper as you're going right to left from third to second base on the diamond, right? Like you're gonna contort your body and all that. It's the same thing with hitting. Your approach needs to be adjusted. So. I don't know. It's very frustrating. I think that when you go into the batting cages, whether you're five years old, 25 years old, 45 years old, 55, 65, whatever, you know how to hit a fly ball and what it takes to do that and how to take a little off and just elevate something. Whereas hitting a chopper requires a, a different swing path. Um, these guys are sophisticated enough to figure it out. Now the pitching is elite. I get all that. You're not going to be able to execute every single time. But it, for me, it's maddening to watch the same approach over and mm-hmm. over and over again and get crummy results. Yeah, it's it's something's going to again, if the Giants want to keep kind of progressing forward, it's something's going to have to change because, yeah, they just this for a team that loads the bases as often as they do. They can't keep coming up empty. Well, they have like a lot of high do. strikeout guys, too. Yeah. Like, and I, you I, are as, seeing that. as the defense has improved, they've gotten more defensive oriented players on the field. I expect them through their farm system to streamline guys that are more complete hitters than what they have right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, I, I, I remember talking with JD Davis about this. You can go check out our last uh, podcast episode um, and we'll wrap things up here, but yeah, he kind of talked about kind of reducing the power in his swing. So I do think you're seeing a slight shift in, 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 in approach at the plate from some of these hitters. I think over the next couple of weeks, we'll see just kind of how, how big that shift is. So uh, before we get out of here, we do have the Giants taking on the Brewers this weekend. I think they got Corbin Burns uh, again tonight and on Saturday and maybe again on Sunday he might be pitching. It seems like they can't get away. He's like the new Clayton Kershaw. They, they always I have to nuts. see Corbin Burns apparently, but uh, man, he would look good in the Giants. I'm ready uniform. for a Brew Crew matchup. I love their new uniforms, even though they feel retro. They're new. They're fresh. I love them. I love the, the color in the front of the cap. I'm excited for this, aren't you? Oh, no. The Giants and Brewers in the last couple of years have put up together some really good games. I remember in 2021, uh, that series in Milwaukee, those were three probably the most fun games of the season were against the Brewers. So these teams always do well. Shaska, I know you got to get out of here. I got to get yeah. out of here, too. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. For Sam Lemon and Joe Shasky, uh, we will see you on the next one.